Hi, this is Sonny Ravencourt from Sonny's Diner, and you're listening to my favorite ladies in tour, Karelian Run Radio. Begin transmission. You are listening to Corellian Run Radio, your route through hyperspace to the latest news on Star Wars The Old Republic. Hi, and welcome to Corellian Run Radio. This is episode number 33. God, I almost said 333. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, God, I can't even think that high. Um, we are recording Sunday, September the 25th, 2011. Hi, Kathy. Hey there. Hi, Roxanne. Hello. Was this not the most exciting week or what? <laughs> it was pretty was exciting. It? <laughs> for what tour it, fans. I know. For tour fans, it's like, oh, my God. Well, so, Roxanne, how, what did you do this week? Um, I I worked at my job a lot. Like, things are kind of ramping up and crazy, and we're going through a really big kind of like hiring thing right now where we're trying to get a lot of new people on board for this new project that we're doing. So my time has been kind of split between like working on projects and uh, like interviewing potential hires. So that's what I've been doing. Wow, that sounds pretty exciting though. I mean, to have that kind of growth, that is just awesome. Yeah, it it's really, it's a, it will be exciting. It's a really exciting time for the team. It's also fun to interview people who are like in their 40s and like, and they're like really nervous. And I'm like, oh, don't be nervous. Oh, well, that's say, compassionate really of exciting. you. It'll be really <laughs> exciting if you don't have to work until 11 every night like you have been. Oh, God. Yeah, that would be great. That's what I'm most excited for if we just find like really like you know competent people who can do half of the work that i've been doing right now because yeah it's been <laughs> it's been crazy probably like ugh, like longer than a year i feel like i've just been kind of like overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that i have to do so i'm looking forward to you know like eight hour days that would be nice <laughs> yeah that will be nice it'll be nice to get you back on a regular schedule well what about yep. you kathy i have not been doing that many interesting things but yesterday i saw a really great movie that i want to recommend to people it was moneyball it's the new brad pitt movie it's i like a good sports movie and uh this is and this was i think written uh, aaron sorkin did the really? co-wrote this screenplay i think so yeah i saw his name at the end and i thought and i thought oh this definitely feels like an aaron sorkin movie so i would really recommend it, it was just fascinating and i i I, I unfortunately am not a big, I don't follow baseball that closely, but so I actually, it was really, I was on my edge of my seat going, what's going to happen? <laughs> really, most people probably know, but mm -hmm. I really, I would really recommend uh, people go see it because I, I just thought it was terrific. Well, that's cool. How about you, Carla? You know, I think the week went by in like a blur. I kind of got a little sick last week and I had to go to the doctor and, you know, I kept thinking of all of the different um, release information things that came out for tour. And for some reason, this felt like a really busy week. I mean, not just because we got the the release date, but because there was, you know, a video on Wednesday and stuff coming out Thursday or Friday. I mean, it would just seem like every day there was something really exciting going on. And I was like, okay, what's next? You know, so I really didn't oh, do anything. That's funny, Carla. You're like, this is the part of the world we're supposed to talk about or the other part of our lives, but your life has become tour. I know. Isn't <laughs> that you did sad? Isn't tour. that sad? I sat there and I watched for tour news. <laughs> oh, well, what can I say? 
Too bad. All righty. Well, let's uh, take it into it's time for our host challenge. Fact. You know it to be true. Or fiction. Nothing possible. Okay, I'm going to read three bits of information or three leads about the game. Two of them will be made up or not yet confirmed. Only one will be a fact confirmed by Bioware. Your job is to pick out which one is true. You guys ready? Yep. Yep. Okie dokie. In Guild Phase 2, you can choose three allies and three adversaries. Number two. The release date was announced. For the U.S., it will be December 20th, 2012. Lead number three. The ERSB rating for Tor is Team. So, after hearing all three leads, which one do you think is the confirmed fact? Wait, did you say 2012 on number two? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's called being observant. <laughs> fortunately, that is not true. <laughs> uh, so I pick uh, number three is the correct one. That is correct. Hooray! <laughs> In Guild Phase 2, you can only choose a combination of three allies or adversaries, not three each. Right, right. <laughs> Very good. I was just, I was about to be confused. I was like, wait, I think two and three are true. And then I realized the, the year was off. Thank God. That would have been awful. I know. That really all, would have all, stunk, wouldn't it? Every, everyone would have quit. Quit everything. <laughs> quit, what? quit everything. What? <laughs> <laughs> quit podcasts. Quit their fan sites. Quit following Twitter. <laughs> I know. And it would have been a crazy, crazy, well, just crazy time. to wait differently. Like, yes, what? exactly. <laughs> Oh, Lord. All righty. Well, let's get to the latest news in tour. From the Newsnet. And, and beyond. All right. Well, as we've already revealed in the first part of this podcast, the biggest news was definitely the release date announcement. Um... Let me ask you, ladies, how did you first hear about it? I was Roxanne. Oh, you're gonna Okay. Well I heard because I got um I got a text from Mike who we he met at PAX uh in oh, yes. Seattle. So, Pizza like, Mike. Pizza Mike <laughs> as I refer to him and now he knows. <laughs> he he works at a like a pizza place that his I think his brother in law owns or something like that. And and to differentiate him from I guess all the other mics we know, which actually aren't that many. But anyway, yeah, I got like a text from him because I think he was still awake or something because it would have been like I think like five in the morning where he is, and he was like, "Hey, have you heard the news?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and then I went to our site and read the article, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like cool." That's right. <laughs> so I'm like, you're getting you? your shout out now because <clears throat> I, I never gave you one after PAX. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. And Carla, how about you? I was sitting on pins and needles waiting. And I kept hitting F5, 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 you know, because I knew that at 6 o'clock in the morning, my time, is when right? the panel started. Or the presentation. Or, yeah, the, the big Bioware presentation um, over in London was at noon. So I uh, sat there and I kept thinking, okay, I'm going to sit here and listen. And I kept nodding off. And then somewhere around 6.30, my time 
yeah, 6.30, 6.35, something like that, I see this announcement when I hit F5 one time on the tour site, because I'm bouncing between Twitter and tour, uh-huh. you know, between the uh, Star Wars website and tour. And I saw that it come across the um, website on tour, and I was like, oh, my God, you are kidding me. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, type, 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 type. And I had to hunt for a picture for the launch, you know, and I'm right, just right. going, well, I got you. a record, record article. I think I did it like 15 minutes or something. I know. I'm so impressed with you because you know what I was doing when it was announced? I was sleeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just sleeping, sleeping, sleeping. I got up and I got up really late and I go downstairs. I stumble downstairs and, um, my husband is there at his computer and he just points at the screen and then I see like the email they, mm. that they sent out and it just says, you know, there has the logo and it just says 12, 20, 2011. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that you found out about the release date before I did. <laughs> well, I had a sneaky suspicion that something was going amiss because I the night before, I got an email from Best Buy because that's where I bought my pre-order and they changed the date. And right. when so they changed the that- date, I'm going, wait, they changed it from 1231 to 1220. They would never do that on a placeholder date for 11 days if no. something isn't going on. So so tell me, did the email, the email was because you ordered it through Best Buy, right? That's correct. Um, and so did it just like somewhere in the email, is that why they sent the email to announce the release date? It is, is that what actually it like announced the, no, it's not like it's a, announced the release date. They were adjusting the pre-order release date information. In other words, because I had pre-ordered, they were letting me know that the pre-order date changed. Well, hmm. that's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> that, so that was, was the like purpose day, of the email. So that was like the day before the official announcement. Yes, though? seven okay. seven thirty or seven something in the evening. I got that email, and I'm like, oh, I started getting excited. My stomach started twitching, and I was just like, oh my god, is this right, real? So I missed all that. Were you like in touch with the community, like on Twitter? No, or no, or... I resisted because I'm going. What if it's wrong? What if what mm-hmm. if they just made a snafu like? fries did or some of the other ones and it was fake i didn't i was trying to tell myself don't get caught up in the hype (laughs) you know don't get caught but be prepared be prepared that's right (laughs) oh also yeah that's why you were up at the crack of dawn that is why i was like i have a question like a a brain teaser on a scale of one to ten like how excited are you that we have a release date now i am like a 10 for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a 10 for sure. I don't even care if it's a month later than I wanted it out. <laughs> I am, I, I guess I'm an eight because it was like, okay. I was surprised. I was pretty excited. Um, yeah. And I was more surprised that, that I wasn't expecting it. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. I was, my first thing was like, well, I did not hear that train. <laughs> it's like, I got run over by the release date. Train. <laughs> <Picking> <laughs> flowers on the track. I know, I was, because I was kind of in the zone because, you know, like every con you're like, maybe it'll be the release date. Maybe it'll be the release date. And by the time this one rolled around, I was done expecting 
a release date announcement at a convention. But so, I told so. you, I mean, we just had the conversation. You tell me every few, convention. Yeah, but a I few days before that. So you can't say, I, I told you we're going to get I now. know, but I told you, I said, I have a feeling that BioWare is just going to pull one and and, and do it at, at in Europe, you know, which would, you know, make all the European fans go wild. You know, and then when I hear the, the audio that Darth Hader did of that, I was like, God, why don't y'all sound more excited? <laughs> Well, why don't we why don't we play that? I think we have a little clip of that uh, of the announcement, don't we? Yes, we do. Here we go. Oh, all right. You, you said you think we should announce something else? Well, we came all this distance. It's a long trip, and we feel maybe we've given you guys a lot of stuff. We haven't given you everything. Yet. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. We're in Europe with our great fans here in the UK, and we have we have consumer friends, you know, all the great fans all over the world. And what what could what be a better place to announce the day that we're launching the game? <laughs> So remember, pre-order early to get early access to the game and get guaranteed access as well. Because we're gonna make sure that the quality of the game and the service are really high at launch. So we're gonna make sure that you know the number of people coming in is balanced against that. The day that we're launching Star Wars Zelda Public is December 22nd, 2011 in Europe and December 20th, 2011 in North America. Right. So Carla, I kind of had that reaction too. I felt like, wow, this audience does not sound as excited as the, as they should be. <laughs> yeah, that's like the round of applause that you give for like the third prize winner for the science fair. I know. Like, yeah, good job. Do y'all remember <laughs> the rant that the applause in the Paramount theater <laughs> when they were doing the, just some of the, the talks that they had at the panel at PAX? Right. Right. I mean, that I, I feel, excitement was I know, I, twice. Like, Roxanne, remember when remember when we went to that panel at PAX East and they announced mm -hmm. Daniel Erickson and the crowd just went nuts. Yeah. I mean, I felt like he got a bigger like round yeah. of applause. Now I have to say that somebody in our Twitter Way to go, feed was, Europe. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I'm re kidding, I'm re kidding. Redundant, redundant 09, I think is, was his name. He's, he pointed out that the room, the actual place of the presentation wasn't that big. So we can't really compare it to like the Paramount at PAX Prime. <laughs> Isn't that Tom from, uh, Torocast? Uh, I, uh, I think that's this... who Redundant 09 is. Um, the name is actually Thomas Busby. That that's doesn't Tom? seem like, I don't think that's the same Tom as from. Oh, Toro, Toro cast. Oh, Toro yeah, cast. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I think that is. I was thinking Tor Talk. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I think that's Tom that's from Tom Powers. Toro uh, cast. Okay, yeah. All right. That, that, that makes sense. But, but yeah, so, so he has a point. It's a smaller room. And, you know, maybe Europeans are just more polite and reserved mm -hmm. than, than, than Americans. <laughs> well, I don't know. When I listened, there was also, uh, what was it, that um, S-W-T-O-R-O-Z? did it was mm -hmm. doing a podcast that was uh right at the same time as this announcement was being made and about midway through their podcast they read that the release date they had to pause their podcast because right. they were so excited you could just tell so i thought <laughs> that was pretty awesome so <laughs> you guys like the excitement level that i am right now is pretty much what my excitement level was when i heard the release date and i don't know if there's like something wrong with me <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> incapable of feeling like human emotion anymore <laughs> or something but like 
I don't. Yeah, so the the one to ten question was actually something that my friend Jason asked me. He's like, "So on scale of one to ten, how like totally excited are you?" I was like, "I think I'm like a like a three or a four. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't. I like um. I don't know. Like I've pre-ordered the game, so I've already paid for it. There's like, I don't. There's nothing for me to do besides like, uh, yeah. So I can just wait some more, and it's like. There was no reason to be like anxious or like excited by it because I like I never thought that Bioware was like lying when they were like <laughs> holiday 2011. I'm like, oh yeah, this is consistent with what they told me six months ago. So now that there's like an actual day, I'm like, yeah, that's this is pretty much what we were all expecting. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm excited to play the game. Like that's gonna be awesome. But I don't, I never, I don't get why knowing the exact day should make me more excited. Pretty much in the same way that I never understood why not knowing should make you angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Roxanne. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I guess my age is just like I'm excited to 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 know that it's to know that it's coming. Like, well, I don't know. I think it does make a difference when you have an actual date. It seems yeah. real. It seems real. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I guess, yeah. It just feels more real or something. <laughs> yeah. I well, got more excited watching that, like, the companion video on GameSpot. I was like, oh, my God, this oh, is so yes. cool. Yes. But that's we're, we're, like... Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> and it's coming from the girl that just pre-ordered. <laughs> Not just, like at, at PAX or whatever. At PAX! Yeah, yeah that was just, that what, got... three weeks ago? Yeah, and, and we're going to get it in at the same time, and we're all going to see that it doesn't make any difference, because, <laughs> like, the hype machine exists to generate hype, and I don't know. Yeah, I'm excited, and I'm really, it's going to be great to play the game, but I don't know why, like, a, a bunch of numbers is supposed to make me more excited, because we're oh. all going to, like, play the game. It's going to be great. I, I can't conjure up the feeling of, like, necessary. I'm sorry. I'm, like, you know really, I tried. I, like, sat at this desk. <laughs> I was like, okay. and tell what'd you do? Tell yourself, I must get excited. I must. Yeah, get I was excited. like, come on, like get pumped. This is gonna be like awesome. You want tour? And then I was like, I can't do it, other Roxanne. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh I, lord, because you've just been overworked. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that I, I hope that's it, and not just that. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> you're so jaded already. You're jaded before it even comes out. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, oh my gosh well um so let's just talk about some of the details well first of all there we have a short video that uh i can't remember the guy it's on our site there was i think his i think it might be Scortone, Scortor movie is the username he he did a little fan video which you can watch that that announcement um and uh there are some of the details that will be on the official site about it's going to be the monthly subscription that they said. Um, and it's pretty much, I think those are like the wow rates, aren't they? $14.99 a month. And you get a slight break if you do three months and, and, a, and a little bit more of a break if you do six months at a time. Yeah. Uh, and I noticed that they're also going to get 30 days for free. Right. Um, so when you, when you buy the game, so that, that's kind of nice. Uh, that's typical. Yeah. Is that typical? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess that's, yeah, I think that's about 
all we know in terms of of uh, what it's going to cost us. Now, Carla, you and I had a funny uh, discussion <laughs> about the the idea of a phone app or some kind of thing where you can get into the game but not be in the game, but you can check your auction house and stuff like that. And and you were totally like, I would pay three to five dollars a month more now that I know what these rates are. <laughs> I was like, what? You would pay twenty to thirty three percent more a month just to have that app. <laughs> and uh, I think I, but I think there are a lot of people out there that would do that. Well, I, you know, I, of course I, I mean, to me that the, the typical rate should be, you know, anywhere between one and three bucks. But I, the reason I said I would pay up to from three to $5 is because these are rates cheaper than what I was anticipating when I saw the, and I guess it's because I was in, you know, sticker price shock when I saw the price of the collector's, oh, like the edition. collector's edition. Right. Right. I mean, so I was psyching myself up to say, well, if they're going to charge 150 bucks for the collector's yeah. edition, they're going to charge $20 or $25 a month for this game. Yeah, I, I feel actually, like in this was... climate with MMOs right now, you're kind of like getting away with something if you charge a subscription price like at all. So like I wasn't expecting it to be higher than WoW. I, I guess I'm I'm okay with the uh with the rates as as they are, but I definitely wasn't expecting it to be like what twenty five or thirty dollars a month. There I can't imagine a service for which I would high. pay thirty dollars a month. No, I was typically expecting it to be around twenty dollars. I mean because mm -hmm. I figured if they thought they could get away with a hundred and fifty dollars, which you know for a collector's edition like they've done that they would feel like they could get away with 20 bucks a month. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I, I was you know, pleasantly Carla, surprised. <laughs> yeah, Carla, I would say that I would agree with you, except for the fact that the, the, the major trend right now, just in the last few months, Which is, is definitely saying, yeah. free. Yeah, yeah, yeah free so mm -hmm. I can see both sides. But, uh, but you know, fourteen ninety nine that seems reasonable. It's probably going to be, do you think there are going to be other MMOs, major MMOs that are going to try to charge this kind of rate? Or is this probably the last one? I don't know. People have been saying that this is like the last one, right? But I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Until I don't know. someone else comes out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is, um, yeah, because of the genre of this, I mean, people are willing to pay it, you know? So it may very well be the last one. It's just hard to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, uh, Tor isn't really like a strict, it's hard to compare it to other MMOs because it is more like, or it has many, many single-player elements, you know? So I guess that's kind of what you're paying for. You're kind of paying for, like, the reoccurring Mass Effect thing and for all the money that it took to develop that content. So right. it's, like, it makes a lot of sense if, like, Hellgate was a lot cheaper to produce and they don't have to change charge a subscription. So, I don't know, I kind of... Maybe this is not true, but I feel like we can trust, like, consumers to make good decisions about paying for the type of content that is worth paying for so if you yeah. like look at tour and you see all the stuff that you're getting you say you know what this is worth fifteen dollars a month and if you look at most free-to-play mmos you can kind of you can tell why <laughs> like they're free to play right. like you get like where your money's going so i mean i i feel comfortable paying for tour yep. yeah me too yeah me too um uh 
I just wanted, I found something right before um, on Tor Wars, they did a little article about somebody that has made this app that you can put on your desktop computer and it's a countdown app for Tor. So we'll have a link for that in our show notes. And, um, and one last thing before we move away from Eurogamer, did you guys, I don't know if you listened to the Darth Hader, Darth Hader has the, has the whole presentation, like the audio, the whole presentation. And I noticed that, did you notice when they, when they gave away test, testing codes did you see how many they gave away well it was no, like three have... or four different testing codes or, oh, right. or codes for different items for different games, or, right? or different for different things, games right. and i was just like well they sure didn't do that at pax yeah i know well and that definitely tells me the size of the room could not have been you know <laughs> on the order of thousands or anything like that but uh but, but yeah they it's like got oh, man. game testing codes for star wars the old republic what were know. they giving away a uh, testing code <laughs> yeah tor tor testing codes to the oh, okay. people that were in the room it was like oh <laughs> we wanted that at, at PAX yeah oh, I know well. but like haven't they they haven't previously been in testing and I feel like Bioware is always trying to have to do a little catch-up to like get on the good side of um like European fans just because they maybe just because the way EA works like a lot of their marketing events happen here mm -hmm. I think there are more conventions here there's the whole thing with testing here. So, you, you know, you can't really begrudge oh, them true. giving that's... away a couple codes. <laughs> yeah, I know. That exactly was a very, that was an excellent PR move. And I thought it was kind of funny because it was almost like several people were getting up to go get their codes. <laughs> it was, you know, the way the wording of the audio was, you know, maybe I was mistaken. It says, now y'all can get those later, you know, or something like that. It's kind of funny. Um, I guess that's about wraps it up for the Eurogamer release date talk. What do we have next? All righty. We have our Friday update from September the 16th, and that was a Q&A with principal lead PVP designer Gabe Amatangelo. And here he talks about several different things. Um, one of them was rated or ranked PVP, and that's going to be in and post-launch. What I thought was kind of unique about that particular portion was he was talking about um, ra ranked or rated war zones. And I guess the mental image that I came up with, because he said, you know, for two players or, you know, um, and then oh, a single player was, was this arenas? Right. It made me wonder yeah. about if it was like arenas. I mean, but it's kind of what really... my mental image of rated war zones were because I right. can't and... think of it any other way. Yeah, and for our non-WoW listeners, that was that's a WoW <laughs> PvP reference. Um, how did arenas work in in WoW? You had you would get little like teams together. Yeah, you could have like, them in tiny like ones, two like teams, uh, like two people versus um, two people. Two people versus two, and then it was what was it? Three versus three, and four versus four, or something like that, or five versus five. Right, so you two, have, and then and you would go around, like your team would go around playing, and then you would get ranked and blah, blah, blah. Ranked, so. and you get special gear, and you get so many points that opens up new gear for you, and, and it really gets serious. Was it like a leaderboards thing? Kind of, but, you know, I don't know how they told who was the leader, except by your points. Well, isn't because... that what ranked means? Like... Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but you, I don't guess you get to see a whole bunch of ranks. I guess I never knew where to go to to look at it if you did come on carla pvp queen uh, not arenas <laughs> i mean y'all I, I steered so far away from arenas 
you know, it'd make your head spin. I, I didn't like them at all. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, yeah, it'll be interesting just to, I, I, I'm sure that'll be popular with, with the, the but PDP that is a post launch thing. Yeah. It's not right. A, yeah. yeah. Not going right. to be in at launch. And the same thing with, um, one of the things that he was addressing was people were asking about Pazak and, uh, swoop racing and that sort of thing. And they said that they, they're, they're really looking at what they can do and they've got some things in the works, but again, this will all probably be post launch. Right. Um, and they're still looking at how to make it work if they can. So right. it's not definite, but one of the things that he said that I love, 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 love was that there were no cross server cues because he wanted to encourage community and you recognizing the person that you may have been an opponent, you know, situation with, mm -hmm. you know, on your um, server. <laughs> are they just banking on like, there's going to be so many people playing this game that that's not going to be a problem. I don't know. I hope this remember works. Remember when, when wow switched to the crossover queues and how it was awesome. Is, right. Am I like reading that wrong? That's like my emotional memory. Cause I remember no, you're correct. From, like, yeah. I thought everything just became faster you're correct. And, like better. Yeah, it may, it opened it up because the queues were so long. Yeah, for war zones or arenas, especially that, you know if you were the quote wrong faction on your server, like there were not <laughs> there were too too many of you, I guess, and not right. enough of the opposite faction, yeah. <laughs> and you would have to wait. Long. Yeah, so that's that's why that was implemented, I believe. I mean, I really, really, really hope that this works because I love it because I've always thought that it should stay within its little community so you can build up a hatred of somebody else mm -hmm. or you can, you know, build up a, a you know, a, a friendship with somebody else, you know, depending or, upon which side. Yeah, a friendly rivalry, you know. Exactly, <laughs> you know, and I hope that this works because I love, love, love the idea, but I'm skeptical because I saw what it did and wow, you know, they've got to come up with something better you know, as far as not taking forever to queue. Right. Well, you know, I mean, that's like probably going to be something that they're not going to know whether it works or not until like the week or two after launch. Cause I know they're testing everything now, but like the sample size that they're using, I, I assume isn't going to be anything close to like what actual launch is. Right. So we'll, we'll see real, they'll probably be able to figure out really quickly if it's working or not and then adjust it. Accordingly. Right. Yeah. And, and and then look at the what they did with Hutball, where, where you can, you can have a republic of the same, the same yeah. right. So there might be you know solutions that we just haven't thought of. Exactly, because <laughs> so. I would have never thought they would put in Hutball like they did. That was so awesome. Yeah. yeah okay, cool. let's see what else did he talk about? Dual specs. Dual specs are they're going to look at that at post launch? And I was surprised by that. How about too. you? I didn't. Didn't we read like a huge essay a couple months ago? How they're like, well, dual specking doesn't make sense because our advanced classes are like. Well, da, da, well, da, da, da. see, like, yeah, I think they were sense. addressing. I mean, I guess if since they used to be in the camp of advanced classes, we really want to keep them the same. They they've backed off from that a little bit. They've got a little more wiggle room. But like all the reasons against being able to switch your advanced class apply like I think doubly for something like dual spec, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You probably like know. it, don't you, Carla? <laughs> I do. I do like it because I've always thought that it was very important so that I wouldn't have to reroll um, a character yeah. of the same class, just a slightly different spec, you know, or if even though they say that it's only a 10% difference in, in PVP, there may be some little something that I want to change on my spec for when I'm PvPing versus when I'm 
playing on a PBE situation. And so, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of dual spec. I mean, I know why they didn't want to do it, but it didn't, you know, for me as a player, did not make sense because I did not want to be forced to reroll the exact same character just to change a few specs along the way. Yeah, I, I, I have always liked dual specs. And I, I was just really surprised to hear them talk about just like, you know, oh, yeah, you were probably going to have that in pro slot or we, it, did you see we're definitely having it in? I think it was more like it's going to come it, eventually. Yeah. I think that was, he said it was just going to come eventually. I was trying to get back to it and look, but I don't, I don't have the article up. So, yeah. So, oh, well, that's, and that for me kind of raises questions of like how is this whole advanced class system going to work i'm i'm, a, I'm getting a little concerned about um and i don't know why this made me more concerned but <laughs> but this idea that 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 i mean are we going to have a situation where it really doesn't matter what class you are because you're just going to be able to do whatever like there's you know it's just it's purely a style thing now yeah. it's not like you are specific like you are a specific kind of um, class that is actually different from everyone else is it just that everybody can do everything and that you're just that the differences are going to be the way you customize your character but it doesn't really going to matter whether you're a smuggler or a bounty hunter or a, oh, i'm sorry i shouldn't go cross faction but a smuggler versus a you know a jedi knight or a trooper blah 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 i hope that it never gets to that point yeah i'm sure there i know that there are smart people working on this but yes I that's know, definitely yeah i think <laughs> I know that with like the companion system, they are, they're trying to make it so that just because you've chosen a class doesn't mean that you're locked out to like certain types of content. So like if you're a ranged person, then you should be able to do content that normally only a tank could do. And you can do that with the companion, mm -hmm. which to me, just like philosophically says that they are trying to make it more so that yeah, you can, you can, more avenues are open to you, uh, and you're not locked out just because of a choice that you made. So I don't know if that directly translates into, there are no <laughs> rules now, <laughs> because everyone should be able to do everything, but I don't necessarily think that that, that would be a terrible thing, I guess. But I don't yeah. think it was meant for each character. For example, when they said that, I think they were also talking about it's not going to lock us up, out because our companions can do things we can't do. They're giving us companions. Yeah, I'm just that thinking of things like the fact that every class has a healing tree, and not every, but you know, a bunch of the classes have healing <laughs> trees, and a bunch can tank and stuff. So they're obviously creating roles that are a little more um, versatile, which means just that um, you know you're not leaning as heavy to one side that you can do a couple things. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know I'm like I'm kind of sick of wow, so I don't really care what they do if they do it different. Well, I went ahead and looked up that dual specking just so that we could see exactly what uh -huh. he said to make sure we got it right. Um, dual specking is something we want to add soon after launch. Period. Okay, so yeah, they like it. Yeah. They like it now. They like it now. <laughs> um, which I well, think is Gabe different. likes it now. I'm not so sure yeah, Daniel or. So 
<laughs> one of any well, of the other writers would like it too much. I don't but... know if Georg would like it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, oh, well, that, that's interesting. We'll just have to see how that all plays out. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's see. Let's move on to, and, and I should note that I think there were other things on September 16th, but we just thought that the Q&A portion of that update was the most interesting. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to Guild Phase 2, which happened kind of uh, in the middle of the week, right? It wasn't a Friday update. Right. And, they're just announcing that phase two is starting. So this is the phase where guilds can now choose their adversaries and their allies, as we talked about in the factor fiction, um, uh, which means you can, uh, I think you can choose three and then they can be any combination of allies versus or adversaries. So you can have kind of this and they will put you on the same server, obviously. Um, and Hopefully. so that you, if you have a guild and you're definitely interested in doing this, you need to talk to them and make sure that you are each putting each other down, I guess, is how it'll work. Um, Carla, has your, you're in OTG. What are, have they, uh, have they chosen their adversaries and allies? Um, or is it probably had... just themselves? That's, that's about what we're having to do. Um, we have had many, many people approach us and, and, and good friends of our guilds. I mean, we've been, we're, we're good friends with many other guilds and it's because of the guild cap of 500 on guilds. Um, we actually have two guilds for each side so far. Um, and that's still not gotten everybody that are in other games in OTG that have not been following the game very closely. So, we still anticipate a few more, but we've had to ally with ourselves because <laughs> we so want to get together. the both guilds on the same server. So um, they and that's there's no guarantee. I mean, they tell you right there in the guild um, phase two FAQs that there's no guarantee, but it will, you know, it's to your advantage to do so, and they will attempt. But right, you know, it's. Uh, it's going to affect, you know, all large guilds, you know, that they're going to have to do the same thing we did. Yeah, which which apparently Merck is now considered a large <laughs> guild. I look at Roxanne, have you seen? Merck is the Moss Eisley radio uh, community, I think, that, that uh, Roxanne and I are joining. I think some of the Curlian run radio listeners. Yeah. Uh, um, they're up to 436. And are it's they funny. Really? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, and I was, and I was just saying, you know, uh, I think I brought up the, you know, do we need to talk about like cutting out, cutting it off because we don't want to be right up at 500 at launch and, and now nobody can have a friend come in or, or an alt, certainly not. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how many of those people actually, you know, are, are going to be stick with the guild because, you know, a lot of people just sign up uh, right off the site. I, but... don't, I don't understand. I don't understand how guilds get so big, but maybe that's like. Like, I don't know, you have two guilds of 500. That's, like, like around as big as my graduating class of high school. <laughs> like, I certainly didn't, like, know all those people. It seems, like, crazy to have, like, a Well, people come in little groups, you know. They have the little groups that they may have played Rift with, or they may have another little group that may have played WoW with, another one, you know, Lord of the Rings. I mean, so they, they kind of migrate in their little groups in, in OTG. What you just hit on, though, is that that's just single accounts. That doesn't even take into consideration that people want to play alts. So you can imagine what the guild's going to be like when it's when we open it up for alts. Um, the one thing that <clears throat> is not in place 
that affects large guilds is the uh, there's no alliance channel. Mm. So there's no way for multiple guilds, if you have more than one, to be able to talk amongst each other. Or if you are allied with three other guilds, there's no alliance channel for you to talk. Right. So it, you know, yeah, you get to be there with each other, but you can't talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. what whisper is for but yeah i know what you're saying yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's uh it, uh it'll be something i never thought i'd be in such a big guild but that's definitely something that uh that i'm going to be experiencing for the first time i guess well, I, when we start have, we'll see how it goes i have to be fair though they did say that that is something that they're working on because mm, I did okay. ask yeah. them at well, PAX. In fact, in World of Warcraft, you could set up a channel. It wouldn't. It would be like. Could, do you remember we did that with one exactly. other guild? And we uh -huh. people didn't really use it, but you know, <laughs> but it was possible. And and it was just by like creating a channel, wasn't it? Like you would just slash whatever, and you 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 slash gave it a name, space, and you name, space, password, or some nonsense. Right, whatever. and then you told everyone that you wanted to be in it, and then so they could open that channel and start, just, you know, make their own channel. I don't know if we can do that. Want. But, you know, I haven't seen that particular feature or heard anything about that feature about the game. That's not mm -hmm. something they've talked about. So I don't know if it's going to be in or not. But I do know that James Olin said they're going to be working on it. So I have full <laughs> Just faith like that, they'll that work on it. Just like that and Guild Banks. <laughs> exactly. That was about the time I asked him about Guild Banks, too. So. Uh, so. Oh, and I just want to give a shout-out to Jen Jedi, who is one of our adversaries. So I was real excited oh, to see that. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's adversaries ever. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, all right. I think that's about it for Guild Phase 2. What do we have next? All righty. We have the GameSpot exclusive video that came out that was so cool it was on the developer dispatch on companions and it was also had an interview with james oland there as well i had a q a attached to that as well so. right so i had a video and then the article was a written interview so and he just talked about stuff but um i really loved this video so much i made me so excited about companions yeah, me too me too <laughs> even though like I one of the best things that I've seen come out of Smotor in a while. I was like, oh, this is yeah. so neat. Yeah, let's, um, uh, can, I think we have a clip of the, the very beginning thing that James Olin says at the beginning of this video. Can you play that, Carla? Companion characters are some of the most powerful storytelling tools that a storyteller at Bioware can use, and that's mainly because they can evoke emotion in a player like no other character in the game. They're helping you in your adventures, they're helping you in combat, they have opinions on story. You really build a rapport with them. And because you build that up when they get hurt or something happens to them, you know, you really care. Right. So, like, people who are trying to say that these are just pets, I, I, I feel that they are missing the essence of what these companions are going to mean to you, you know, after you've spent hours and hours questing with them and talking with them and all that all that kind of thing. Um, Roxanne, you have actually played these games where, where this happens. Can you describe how you felt about, you oh, know... Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, as everyone who has ever listened to the show knows, my like one of my favorite games of all time is Mass Effect Two, and Mass Effect Two is a game that is centered around companion characters. It's like companion characters of the game, but that sounds really lame. So it's called Mass Effect Two, <laughs> and um, 
and the way that that game works is that in the storyline of the Mass Effect saga, you were recruiting for a suicide mission. So you have to go out and find all these specialized members, kind of like, you know, in Ocean's Eleven, where they're, like, looking for these, like, individuals. So they're just these little modular segments of the gameplay where you focus on one specific person, and they're fantastically written because each of those missions, and they're called loyalty missions, where um, you're just doing the storyline for one companion, they're kind of written like these fantastic, like, one-act plays. And they really just focus in on the relationship between you and that other character, and they're also usually used to highlight like different parts of the Mass Effect universe or one is on like the ethics of, uh, you know, the creating the genophage and, um, you know, genocide and stuff like that. And the other is about family and loyalty. And they're kind of just really amazingly, amazingly crafted. And the reason why they're so emotionally impactful is because they hinge on the relationship between you and this other character. And just the the dynamic that you have between all these different people is really what makes Mass Effect 2, like, you know, probably the greatest RPG that I've ever played. So the, I loved this video because it just really kind of drove home that, yeah, like, Bioware knows what they're doing when it comes to companion characters, and I'm really glad that all the story kind of, um, these elements that are really familiar to people who have played things like Dragon Age or Mass Effect are going to be present in Tor, so... Right. Yeah. And how about you, Carla? I know that remember at the beginning, you were not that sure about companions and I know you've warmed up to them. Um, how did how did you feel watching this this video? I thought this was one of the best videos I've ever seen come out of Bioware. I, I mean, <laughs> I, we have seen a lot of stuff and um, it got me hyped up to want to play with companions, even more so because they really... You know, when we played the game back in April, I told you that I felt um, an attachment to my character and how I wanted to, to continue to see what the, the story was. I mm -hmm. mean, it, it hooked me. So if my companion is intertwined in that story, I, I can't help but say I'm going to love it because right. I really cared about what happened. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just, I just thought of something when they were talking about the companions and how like some of them are totally different people than they first appear to be, and just that type of character development and revealing things over time. I don't think there's another medium that can do it better than video games do, because you actually do have the time to invest like hours and hours with these people. And I remember the first time I was playing Mass Effect, and um, you know, after every story mission you do, you go back in the Normandy and you talk to people, and just the the pace that that kind of brought up at which the characters revealed things about themselves it was totally this like addictive thing where you wanted to do the next mission so you could hear the next part of like Caden's story and yeah <laughs> I just like the I don't know I'm, I'm really excited yeah I'm more such... excited about this than the release date but that makes sense <laughs> 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 um, I, in fact, we have a, in that video, Daniel Erickson talks a little bit about that, that the, the, uh, you know, I, I think this is on here. Um, can you play the Daniel Erickson clip? Carla? You got it. The way that comes out in our game is through the affection system. So both by buying gifts or by saying things that they like in conversation, you gain affection points with them. This opens up new conversations, new quests, and sometimes some pretty radical departures from what you might expect. There are characters with dark secrets, there are giant convoluted interesting plots, and some people who are completely not what they appear to be that you would never ever know if you just left them on your ship and didn't talk to them. 
Right. So that's exactly what you were just talking about, Roxanne. It is. It's like we plan these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's good. I I can I hadn't really thought about that, but just that idea that you're like you can't wait to like talk to your companion again and try to get more out of them. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that. I also wanted to just uh, give a little shout out to Noah, uh, who wrote an article about companions a while back. I think I might have mentioned it in last podcast, but but it fits. It really is like a really good corollary to this conversation about your emotional attachment to companions. So um, I, it's called Children of Ideas. I'll put a link in the show notes. I dig around for it on our website because it's, it's a good read um, and talks about that. Uh, exact phenomenon. Um, I also, they also talked about uh, the customization of companions uh, in this video. And, and also, I think the, the William Wallace dev blog, which also came out, I think this was that this past week. Yes. Yeah, it came, it was like, it came out with this uh, as a Friday update. Um, so, so, so yes, it sounds like they're, they're what they're trying to do. And I think Georg Zoller in this video talks about, you know, like the kind of objections people have had to companions or pets in the past were like, you know, like their, their, their AI is stupid. They go around the, 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 where you don't want them to go. And, you know, he talks about how they really worked really hard to make companions a positive experience, I think was the phrase. So they, they, they know about the problems with pets, the things that people don't like about them and, and the fact that you can customize them and the fact that you can, you know, choose the abilities that they're going to use or not use, um, I think is, is really going to address a lot of people's objections to, to, uh, their, their, you know, this idea of it's just a pet class, um, even though that's completely wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. So the customization. Oh, so let's talk a little bit about when, when they talk about how you can not only customize their gear, which we knew about, but, but, uh, the fact that you can now completely change their look, I think. Their look and their skin tones. Wasn't the, didn't we see um, at uh, E3? Wasn't well, it I E3? think it's actually, it is a, it in? It was the, there was a, they have a bunch of images in the uh, the dev blog, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. Roxanne saw that and she had like this completely bizarre reaction. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was like really trying to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I may have been a little extra sensitive to it because I just finished reading this fantastic uh like gamma sutra article on the importance of racial diversity in games and it's written by i don't remember the guy's name but he's a uh he's a bioware developer from vancouver and maybe we can put a link in the show notes or something because it's yeah. really just a really cool interesting read but um you know one of the things that they talked about was the fact that you know obviously most of the protagonists in video games are, are white guys and um just how like uh the 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 important part or the key to writing really good characters from different backgrounds is that you just write strong characters who, you know, they embrace, they're fully aware of their culture and they embrace parts of it and repel parts of it. And you create uh, characters who just have like history and background. And then I saw this, um, this image of uh, the Mako of like every different race ever. And I was like, this is really weird because they're they're treating race as as incidental it's like they're equating it to a costume change which seemed just like really strange to me because it's a uh, 
if you look at Kim Val, uh, um, and he, uh, which is like the second example that they show, he's obviously the same character model, and they've switched like the tribal tattoos and the textures around. But if you look at Mako, they've they it's not the the skin tone and eye color. They've made her an entirely different woman for every iteration. Like the yeah, African American Mako, yeah. like has different facial features. She has like a wider jaw and like heavier set eyes and stuff. It just it seemed really strange to me. I was like, this is like a very weird writing decision because obviously she was conceived as the default who is like Asian, I guess. And if you look on the Holonet, you see what the original art looks like. And you got to think the writers who wrote her and the artists who designed her, like they knew who she was going to be. And to say that like all of that's incidental and she can be whatever we want for the sake of I don't know. So you don't run into the same one. I like, I yeah, that's exactly why they did it. Yeah. So that's the and you and I decision. had this conversation. We were like, well, functionally, you can't run to the same person. And I think I said to you, if you tell me that the only way they could differentiate this person was by changing her race, then like, I don't think you were creative enough to be in the game industry. It's just, <laughs> there's so much cultural, um, like, uh, I don't want to say baggage, but there are definite like nuances that come along with race that don't come along with like, hair color and tribal tattoos. So this just seemed like, it, it seemed weird uh, to read this post and have them, and have a developer tell me that they were the same. And I was like, oh, they definitely, they definitely aren't. And <laughs> the other part of it is that I just don't like the idea that if you have a character and, and she's Asian and you can be like, well, I would make her white, so I will. <laughs> and have it not make an impact on the story. It just seems like if she was conceived in like a certain way and like written with this backstory, then then that should be the character that you use. Like it's pretty standard fare in RPGs that you get to choose, um, you know, what the player character looks like because that's supposed to be a reflection of you, I guess. But it's totally different when you change what NPCs look like because that's like choosing who you want to hang out with, which is not that totally goes against the whole like narrative storytelling and role playing game to me. Because I feel like in video games, you have control of your arena and the developers have control of theirs. And to ask to have total control over every aspect is, it's like, it's a little weird. I feel like you're undercutting like the dramatic capital that the writers and the <laughs> our developers have. If you say like, well, I won't be able to change it because of, because I'm nervous about running into her twice. It's like, uh, I don't right, know, so I don't I really felt, buy it. So I felt like your strongest argument, your point was that it's, it's bad storytelling. If if they if it's if race or you know yeah, is is that, not that is important, so that that was that that was one thing I sort of like. Well, maybe maybe you no, kind of have a point. I don't think it's like racist or anything. It's just weird. No, <laughs> well, it was like a it was like a storytelling thing. I have to say that my first reaction, I did not have the reaction. I was like, oh, I can see why they did that, and I think it's nice to have that customization. Um, which I probably most, I, how, what was your reaction, Carla? Weren't you like, oh, that's cool. I can change my companion. <laughs> I didn't see it the way Roxanne saw it um, because I'm one that I have embraced the internet and across the internet, there are no barriers. And I think, and when I first saw this, my gut re, you know, response was, wow, this is really making it go across the barriers because no matter what this person's story is, it doesn't matter what color they are. You know, it doesn't matter whether they're Asian or black or white or whatever. It, you know, it just, 
it embraces the, you know, whatever uh, ethnicity that you wanted your character to have yeah, and say like, it was, it could have been brought up no matter, in the right. same manner. Does that make but sense? ethnicity isn't like, um, you know, it's not all like the phenotypes, all the stuff that you see, like race no, of in course like not. this country. It's like a, it's a background of cultural identity. And uh, so it's not Yeah, like, so they're tossing that out by, they're, tossing, they're saying so that cultural yeah, identity is not important. That's like the whole problem with like the colorblind thing where it's like, let's just pretend everyone's the same. And it's like. No, because like real diversity is like understanding and celebrating differences. And I agree. There's no character. You cannot make a strong character in fiction with like that, that has like a random character generator built in to choose features. Like if you think back to like Arthas, you're like, you know, he looks like, you know, who his dad is, you know, like he comes from like a line of Kings and he has that like really like um recognizable like face and physique and stuff and like if you think of like eli vance or alex vance you know that alex is i think she's like half japanese and half black and she's like a really strong female character and it just wouldn't be the same if she didn't have like a default or she wasn't like i mean she would cease to be like a, an archetype for like how to write like a good female character it would just be like this weird experiment uh I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like <laughs> weird and, and bad. To but me. this is the same, you know, time period that sees aliens of, of you know, different alien races mm-hmm. as normal. Right. Okay. So to see someone of a different color is normal. I mean, so it's, you know, I think that as, you know, we get further and further into the future, you know, Granted, we may lose some of our heritage um, that you're speaking of. So I don't know. I just, I embrace this. I thought that it allowed people to be whoever they wanted to be and have their companions do that as I, well. So Yeah, I, I guess, I guess it could be, Carla, like, you know, you're from Texas. Mm-hmm. Do you have like pride in being a Texan? Of course. So yeah, right. So it's I, I think that's what Roxanne is talking about. No, it's like I totally of, understand. Yeah, it's part of like who if there was a character. Oh, like uh, you wouldn't want like, someone to say, "Well, Tim Rayner from Texas, or he has like a Texan accent from Starcraft." Yeah, so and you're like, like well, that that's is like a... really cool because he kind of like is representative of where I'm from. And then if someone was like, "Well, we have like, you know, he's not at. We have like a button that can switch like his voice between like these five different voices." Yeah, and yeah, he's not going like, to be Texan oh. anymore. He'll be new from New York. But see, I, okay. I totally understand where you're coming from, and I do see the validity of what you're saying, and I understand why you felt the way you do. I'm just saying that if we think about what it's like in the future, maybe it won't matter. That it you're won't from matter. Texas. I don't it won't think, matter well, no, that I'm from no, Texas. I get what you're saying. Right. I get what you're saying because I actually thought of this too when I was talking to my friend Brian. I was like, "Well, am I overthinking this? Because they're all from space, so there is no Asia, <laughs> and there is no Africa or like I don't know Europe. So all maybe all humans are alike then." And like so, that makes sense uh, within the um, I guess the I, I'm I'm totally blanking the word. You know, the storyline of the word the world, a, a word that means that. <laughs> but um, I mean, as an artist, though, when you make things, you understand that they're going to be how they're going to be viewed uh, in the context of the society that's looking at them. And I do understand so, that, right? Mm-hmm. So that like people are going to see. Um, like, you know, a character, if they're like Asian or black or white, and immediately it's going to trigger some like, you know, emotional chords, and you're going to think of um, like the society that you that you live in. 
So that, right. that's think- why it still matters. Oh, and the fact that, yeah, they say in the devlog, like skin tone and eye color, like as if they're treating it the same as Twilex and whatever Kembal is. But like we said, if you look at those images, it's not skin tone. It's they they it's race. <laughs> it's not that her skin tone gets darker and it's the same character model. Like they switch to like an African American character model, complete with texture and like different modeling proportions. Yeah. So it's I, I like think- acknowledge that like you as a player understand what different races look like and we are referencing them even though it's in a fictional setting. <laughs> All right. So, so it's um, not bad, it's not racist, it's just a little weird. And I think it's like, yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think that it's a good uh a choice to make for for writing. Yeah, it's yeah. just strange. It's a good thing to think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, good conversation. <laughs> um let's move on to so let's see, the the last item on our regular news list is the is the uh same gender romance arcs were announced as a post launch feature, which we were sort of waiting for some reaction to uh you know, when Corey Butler first said they aren't gonna be in the game as as it was, and we were sort of waiting for Bioware to you know, come back with maybe further explanation. I have to say that this announcement really took me by surprise. <laughs> I was like, that was not the clarification I was expecting to hear. Yeah, this whole, <laughs> this whole thing has been so weird because I was really surprised when we heard that they were out. And then I was really surprised when I heard that they were in because I was thinking <laughs> to myself, I was like, well, what, what, what's the reason then? What could have changed? There was like, uh, in between like then and now and and why post-launch it's well, there's you're assuming, obviously just you're assuming stuff. there was a change so i don't know if they would agree with that necessarily but um, <laughs> well i guess not maybe there wasn't a change but then like the you know the months of of silence and they were being kind of cagey on the forums which makes me think that something's up not just like the the you know the the explanation that they gave which was just like, oh, like there are so many features and we have so like we have only so much money. So it like it just didn't make it in. It was just like an oversight like that with the development schedule that they have. That's something that you would have known probably what like wasn't well, dialogue recording the first thing to be done. <laughs> the dialogue, like the dialogue, the dialogue writing would have been one yeah. of the first things. So, yeah, I feel like that. I don't know what they what the where these decisions were made, but I, it feels like, I feel like my, my intuition tells me that's something that was sort of set a while ago. <laughs> so anyway. My intuition tells me uh, just from like historically what we know about Bioware, which is that they've, they've pretty much always been included. And then what we hear in that video that there are like 40 companions and like, so bisexual well, yeah. characters have always been represented on past projects, even with significantly smaller budgets and fewer romanceable characters, period. So, like, if I had to guess, I would say that sometime during early development, when everyone was still being, like, extra nervous, that, like, it was, like, Lucas or EA that said, like, I don't know about these. <laughs> and now they're, like, rethinking their position after, I don't know, community response or speculation alerts or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's obviously speculation alert, but, like, there's a lot to speculate about just because this whole thing uh it doesn't feel like bioware to me there's definitely something going on so well there's more than just bioware involved in all these decisions so you know you could be right um it also uh the issue of the team the rating the esrb rating um there, there was an announcement that that this game will be teen so you know that was that was something that people were wondering about if whether that was an issue or not so uh 
so we'll see well i don't know what post launch will be but do you guys think it's going to be like a um you know like an ex we'll have to wait for an expansion or it could be a content patch or do you think it's going to be something that will eventually be added to the characters that are already in the stable right now or is it something that they're going to have to create new that would be that would be interesting if they added dialogue to pre-existing characters because that like goes against what i was just saying about the racial thing where it was like mm -hmm. no you, it would be weird right to have a character who was conceived as straight and then at some point down the line, they were like, well, now you are also like uh, into guys. Like, you might be suddenly <laughs> because the community demands it. Like, no, that's like also just terrible writing. But we know that like they don't they feel that race is incidental. Maybe they think that sexual orientation is, too. So, <laughs> well, well, this is interesting because I've heard, actually heard this discussion. I mean, some I think Toro Casp talked about this a little bit. They said, well, obviously it should be not on the current characters. It should be completely new characters. Um, and that that to me, uh, I mean, that just made me wonder, well, what's going to happen after 50 with our current set of characters? Are we going to outgrow them and have to just get a whole new bunch or are our are our old companions not going to go with us? <laughs> um, I think no. that they should just, you know, not introduce new char companion characters. Well, they're going to introduce new companion characters. Well, I know, but what I'm saying is I don't think that that should be just because of their sexual orientation. I think that, you know, write the story to where if you answer the questions in one way, that 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 it goes off into that path. I mean, I just don't think that there should, I mean, that'd be kind of like labeling them. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and that's exactly what Roxanne, I mean, it, that's compatible with what Roxanne was saying about how a character should be a character and you shouldn't yeah, just no, like, it's like pull a, in, you know, they're you know, not modular things that you just like, oh, I'm going to stick this in. <laughs> so. It's, um, because it's like, I don't know about the labeling thing, because just, it's a, it's like part of your identity, like, uh, like, you know, your race or your yeah, gender or like good writing. you grew up. Yeah, good right. consistent so good writing. writing would be, yeah. They're aware of that from the beginning. So my concern would be that if it like if it's suddenly kind of like uh, added in, it would be like a little weird. But maybe they could do it because I was just thinking about um, in Mass Effect Two, where Tally and Garrus become romanceable characters, and they weren't previously, and they're able to do that really convincingly, especially with Tally. I feel like because they kind of just like really well just like start adding dialogue in and then it's kind of this thing where she's like been interested in you from afar like from the previous game and you're like oh mm -hmm. that's like that's kind of adorable that's that's good so i don't know i guess they could add it on to characters you already have maybe there's nothing i mean they're gonna have to write aren't they i mean if they're gonna if you're gonna keep your original set of character companions they're gonna have to write new content so, you know this yeah. is just kind of a general new content question yeah. is it is it is it that we're going to be done with these five after 50 and we'll get a whole new stable of characters or what's you know i'm just curious I, i'm that is a good question i, I wonder not. that because like i remember in like mass effect where they you don't get all your companions back from between mass effect one and mass effect two and it's like heartbreaking every time you meet one of them you're like come on let's go on an adventure and they're like i'm busy that day you're like what <laughs> or yeah or i died you know <laughs> yeah. i mean that goes against the whole grain of what we've just been talking about where we develop a relationship with our characters mm -hmm. i mean and we care about their story yeah, i mean I, and then all of so a sudden like, to see them the, boot yeah. them out the space portal or something <laughs> 
you know yeah. well i know <laughs> it's, like life. it's like life you know like sometimes like people just grow apart or and you can't always go with the people you you like you know or that you love like circumstances just drive you apart which can be as we know from mass effect 2 or like dragon age 2 like really dramatically compelling when you like see someone and you recollect the relationship that you have, but you like can't connect anymore. <laughs> you know so, that like, Daniel Erickson wants to do that to us at some point. Yeah, Because totally. <laughs> you would love the story, the dramatic. So there's like, as with all things Tor, I feel like there's the right way to do it. And then there's the version that the MMOers can stomach. <laughs> and guess which one we're going to get. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay all I think, right do we have, we have yeah. quick... we've got a bunch of quick mentions here um there is a darth Vader article about the gdc panels um it looks like bioware is going to be very well represented there i mean there is like a huge list of attendees and that are going to be doing some presentations also damien schubert um did an interview with tour wars on the dressing room feature we'll have a link to that James Olin interviews Gamma Sutra, uh, is interviewed by Gamma Sutra, and there is excellent coverage of Eurogamer by Darth Hader. They did a wonderful job. If y'all have not listened to the audio presentation, we'll have a link to that as well. Yeah, and they have some interviews and pictures and all kinds of stuff, so go check them out if you haven't. Um, and finally, just uh, want to remind you to go to our site at CurlingRun.com. We have our regular Holonet links and guild checkpoint features. And also we posted a few days ago an, an Irrational Games podcast interview that uh, Irrational's creative director Ken Levine did with Rami Zika and Greg Zeschuk. And it's just, you know, they don't really talk that about Tor. Awesome. That's like it, my it three is. favorite people in the room <laughs> at one time. <laughs> yeah, they just sit down and they just talk about how fun it is to work in the video game industry, what they have to keep an eye on. And it's just really great to hear their to, to hear their conversation, watch their their minds working. So I we have a we'll have a link to that in the show notes. It's a, it's a really nice listen. Um, I think that might be a wrap for all the Tor news. Strong am I with the Force. Or Jedi. Okay, last time we found out that both Kathy and Carla would use the free address labels, but only one of us would feel slightly guilty about it. We also once again measured Roxanne's inability to understand how mail works. So far, <laughs> our scores stand at Carla negative five, Kathy positive 13, Roxanne plus five, I believe. Remember, negative scores reflect a dark side tendency, while positive scores reflect a light side tendency. Okay, this is the test of the office refrigerator. At your place of work, there is a communal refrigerator for the employees to store food they've brought from home. One day, a really delicious looking piece of cake appears on the top shelf. Just looking at it makes your mouth water. What do you do? One, leave it. You would never steal someone else's food. Two, leave it for now. And in two days, if it's still there, you're totally claiming it as your own. It's just getting staler and staler, and someone should enjoy it. Three, take it 
and sneak it to your desk where you can enjoy every last crumb. Okay, Roxanne, what would you do? I always go first. Uh, <laughs> no, but this one's easy. Um, I would, I would leave it. Duh, God, <laughs> like because stealing food from the office refrigerator is wrong. Plus, it's something like it's a piece of cake, so you can't even be like, oh, I didn't know this was your diet coke because I thought I left one in here. <laughs> It'll be really obvious. I already like, I don't know. I feel like all the people in our our, our team, because we're kind of like weird and and clannish, and we just live in the graphics lab. Like we're already a little bit kind of like, I don't know, like <laughs> outcasts. That's like such a terrible word to use, but it's we're like we're kind of like a a little gang of people, and I think people expect us to steal cake and things like that. So <laughs> I want to damage our rep any further by actually doing it. Well, you have just earned plus one. You've chosen the light side, taking someone else's food from the office refrigerator. Only a complete jerk would do such a thing. <laughs> All right, Kathy, what about you? You know, I I thought originally that I would leave it definitely because of all the things that Roxanne just said but but I I kind of think that I might like especially if it was like day three yeah I would at the very least start like I, I might like take it and start walking around the office going is anyone going to eat this does anybody know who this is <laughs> so because you know but it's just gonna it, you know it's just sitting there the thing about like so I don't think there's anything morally wrong with walking around the office with a piece of cake and like making a fool out of yourself <laughs> but you gotta think that piece of cake started in the it didn't start in the office refrigerator obviously so it's probably a couple days old already like how long are you willing to like how many day old cake like is, is okay to eat because i probably wouldn't eat like a piece of cake that's been out for like five days <laughs> which i i i'm pretty sure that's what you're gonna be looking at yeah that's right so anyway i think okay. i'm gonna have to go with number two yeah well you haven't gained any points because you've chosen the neutral uh, path by day three, it's clear the owner doesn't want it, so why shouldn't you take it? <laughs> and how about you, Carla? Well, gosh, I keep hurting my dark side points here, but there's no way I would take somebody else's cake. I mean, no way. <laughs> because I have had too many communal refrigerators and had my food gone. And it's like a peeve. It would drive me insane. Oh, yeah, I agree. So, no. <laughs> I, might, I might take the piece of cake just to see the inevitable office-wide email that would go out. <laughs> I always, like, think it's really, like, gross, like, when someone does that. And, like, dude, no one's going to write back to you. You're just, like, saying, I'm pissed off to, like, the, yeah, you but, know, but or, you like, know, the people who work There is here. sweet revenge. The Sith in me would come out. I would make chocolate brownies with x lax. <laughs> so are you number still one, my Paula, food then? yes i'm number one are you number one are you taking a, a light side point for I, the team this I week i am taking a light side point <laughs> okay well good that's funny this might be the first time where you actually chose the the, the lighter option than i did i think it is <laughs> wow so. oh well uh, we have to remember that for crawling run radio trivia edition yeah there you go yeah Episode 33. Okay, you can read all the past Sith or Jedi tests on our site at CorellianRun.com. Keep score and see which way you lean. All right, well, we just have a few thanks as we wrap up this podcast. We want to thank Off Day and some others. 
and Minos Corva for leaving us positive reviews on iTunes. Thank you. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. It helps us in our standings. Um, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Zoom. And you can contact us through our website at CorellianRun.com. And we have a Twitter and Facebook button up in the upper right-hand corner. Leave your questions or ideas for uh, discussion topics in our forums or by voicemail. You can leave us a voicemail message at 281-766-4511. That wraps it up for us at Corellian Run Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Until next time, I'm Kathy. I'm Roxanne. And I'm Carla. May the force be with you. And may your food always be safe at work. You have been listening to Corellian Run Radio, a Star Wars The Old Republic podcast. Tune in next time to hear Kathy say... Just call me train track roadkill, but like really, really happy train track roadkill. And transition.